Hey everyone, welcome to the TOT Cast brought to you by TipTheTower.com. I'm Crystal Kranitz, and on today's episode, we're going to go through a number of things with a very special guest, Dwayne Watson. Now, Dwayne is heavily involved in Toronto basketball. Don't let his modest demeanor fool you. He does a lot of work. Uh, he's a part of MLSC's Open Gym. He's on NBA TV The Hangout. He's a part of TSN. He's an analyst. He's a writer, host and producer of One on One. He does the Raptors post game show, pre game show, Soul Shift, the Crown League Commissioner. He is extremely involved in Toronto basketball, so it was great to pick his brain a bit, get his thoughts on the Crown League as a whole, the Toronto basketball scene, um, his favorite shoes, and we even kicked it and talked about the Raptors for a little bit. I won't go on too long about the whole intro here and all that. I will just get right into the interview and I'll let you guys hear what Dwayne had to discuss with Damar and I. Now joining us on the Tip of the Tower podcast is a very special guest, a man of many hats to say the least. It's Dwayne Watson of MLSC's Open Gym with the Raptors, NBA TV The Hangout, TSN analyst, writer, host, producer of One on One, Soul Shift, Crown League Commissioner, you name it, he's probably involved in Toronto basketball. Dwayne, how you doing today? I'm good, man. Lots of hats, only one head, though. I can't wear them all at the same time. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, man. No, thank you for coming on to talk with us. We really appreciate it. And also joining me is Tamar, as everybody hey. knows. You know that we have like the names of like le- iconic Raptors, eh? Like... Actually, yeah. Damar. Yeah, that's Wayne, true. Dwayne, Chris Childs. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're down by four. <laughs> Not three. <laughs> um, okay, so obviously the biggest thing you're doing right now in the summer is the Crown League. Nike yeah. Crown League. Yeah. For those that don't know in the Toronto area, what's it all about? Uh, Nike Crown League's a pro-am, basically. If you've heard of the Drew League in LA, which is the biggest pro-am league that happens every summer. A place where professional athletes from Toronto and abroad can you know, keep their game refined. They can't play against guys like me or you because we're not elite enough. But, um, you know, a lot of guys from Toronto or Canada are playing overseas in Europe or some playing NBA, some playing uh, D-League. So it's an opportunity where, you know, the top-level athletes in the city can kind of have their game and also showcase themselves in front of the city. I mean, a lot of guys um, play prep basketball in in, in the U.S. They go to college in the U.S. So people back home don't really get to see them unless it's like once or twice during the NBA season. So this way it's a really cool, uh, close environment and um, guys are playing ball and having fun. Where did the idea originate to start something like this? Um, I would have to say probably Charles Charles Year with Nike. We had a conversation like really early days and talked about something like this, and uh, we just kind of like nurtured the idea from there. But it's definitely a Nike initiative, and it's been great for the city. I mean, this is the second year. Um, you know, we've had like guys like Anthony Bennett, Kelly Winnick, um, Andrew Nicholson, James Johnson. A lot of big guys have come out and played amongst everyone else. Not these guys are bigger than everyone else, but like. Name guys, as I use my air quotes. Well, to use like the name guys, for me personally, I love watching guys like Mick Cabongo and Junior Kagan. Yeah. They're, for a lot of people that don't know, Toronto legends at the high school level before they departed. Yeah. Aside from them, how do you determine who plays in the Crown League? Well, yeah, definitely want to give credit to the Toronto legends because those are guys that have done stuff on a level that people aren't even familiar with. So there's lots of guys in, the, in that realm that fit in uh, beyond the name guys. But basically, it works. Um, each team has their own GMs and they select their guys. And I mean, for you, if I, you guys, if you guys get a tip of the tower team, you guys don't want to lose. So you're going to recruit okay, the best guys you can, right? Yeah. Um, and that's the mandate. So everyone wants to kind of – they all have connections and networks within the city and know the players. But, you know, it's your name on the team. So you want to make sure you get the best players possible. And if that means, like, you know, you got to sit out a week tomorrow, it's like because we got Mike coming in, right. it's, it's just going to happen. That makes sense because I was wondering how, like, One Love T.O., for example, they get quite a bit of guys that come yeah, through. they do. They do. But also what we did this year, um, we had a combine. So basically a lot of guys were like, how can they be in a crown league? And, you know, if you don't know the gyms, it's kind of hard. So we had a crown, we had a combine of about like 50 guys, um, whittled it down to like 12, and we had a, sorry 24, and we had a game officials the whole night, and wow. the GMs were scouting and watching, and they uh, drafted guys out of the combine. So because that way they found guys they might not have heard of, because some guys are playing CIS, some guys are just like you know underground guys, yeah. um, but you know they might find a fit for the team. So they drafted about nine guys from the combine that are playing crown league. It's quite a bit. It's like a mini NBA, basically. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that's kind of what it is, though. It's really like a top level basketball experience for for people in the city, which hasn't happened before. For players that are interested next year in trying to get to the combine, how where would they go to find out information about this? Follow me on Instagram. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I mean, one thing is it kind of happened a little last minute, a little later than we would have liked. But um, we're gonna do a better job of communicating that the combine is going on and giving more time and getting like kind of the best assessment. Um, we don't want anyone complaining and saying they didn't get a chance to go compete. So um, that'll probably happen. Like crowns usually in July, so we'll probably like to do it in June. Um, but definitely like you know plug in the same channel so to keep the word out. Okay, because I hear a lot of people rumblings in the stands of, I, I can play against that guy. This, this guy's trash. Is all I hear is from 
Of course. Certain fans. You know what, though? Names, but you hear that when you, when, even when you watch NBA games, you hear the oh, same God, thing, right? Yeah. I mean, like, everyone thinks they're better, but um, by and large, a lot of the guys in the crowd are getting paid to play basketball yeah, like, no. when they're not there. So it's not like... It's not like it's guys like me or you. No offense. I'm not saying you can't play. <laughs> but, um, That's it. but, I mean, you know, I think, I think, yeah, I mean, you're always going to have those people saying that. Um, or people are always going to say, I'm good enough. I'm better than this guy. I should be playing. But, you know, I mean, there's reasons why everyone's there, right? The combine is, I guess, is a way to prove it if you really want to. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I know there's, there's a couple of guys who specifically talked to me about it and they didn't make it. And then I heard after they were saying, oh, it's politics. I go, it's not politics because, you know what, if you play your best – you know, criminal rise to the top. That's the thing. So if you show it there, people will look at you and definitely want to pick you up. So that's the opportunity to kind of like prove it. All those guys who say that, it's like, do they try and get in there? Probably this is your opportunity to do it. So that's the opportunity to showcase yourself. They're YMCA legends and legends in their own mind most of the time, to be honest. Right, exactly. <laughs> On a semantics level with the Crown League, where did the court design come from? Court design came from um, Nike. We worked with an agency called uh, Victory. Um, they've done a number of stuff for Nike for a while. And... The biggest thing was to represent Toronto. Um, this is kind of like, you know, this crown league is really Toronto's own. Uh, and they wanted to do something to represent Toronto and do something a little different. And obviously, um, Ryerson is like an iconic gym in the city, but I definitely need to get freshened up. So I think obviously it's one of the first things that stands out to people when they see it. It looks fantastic. And, um, you know, we're going to the city, Ryerson. I know you say Kerr Hall's an iconic gym in the city. Yes. Is it more iconic than Jarvis, though? Jarvis is. Um, and it's all right. It's pretty good. And it's all right. It's definitely pretty good. The problem is we've kind of outgrown Jarvis, though. I yeah, mean, um, it was Jarvis was fantastic the first year, but based on like the last week in Crown League, which I'm sure you're at, yeah. it was a little warm in there. Oh, it was very hot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and it was a lot of people. And I think that um, you know, like if we went back to the first week, it would be just too crazy. Um, and even the gym, the baselines are really tight. Yeah, I mean, it has a lot of history for sure. Um, Kerr Hall was like the Madame before Madame, right? I mean, that's kind of where all the big level events were happening there. So it has its own history there. But, um, you know, Crown just kind of needs to kind of evolve it and grow with it and get a bigger place. Is Kerr, like, the last stop? Or are you guys... Is there, yeah, is there a next step? I'm not sure. I, I can't divulge that at this time. <laughs> you never know. I mean, one thing that's going to happen is, I mean, the walls are going to stay the same, but the, the floors are going to probably change just because, okay. if you notice, it's all basketball lines and if volleyball is in there, other sports, they have to have a line. So, um, but, you know, definitely... Um, a lot of money was invested that gym just to kind of like freshen it up, which I know Nike was really important, important for them to do, kind of like give back in that regard. It looks good. I mean, it's no Rose Hill gym in the Bronx, but <laughs> I, I like Rose Hill's it's, a personal favorite of mine. That's why. It still looks beautiful right now, especially the court where you can see the skyline. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. I mean, and honestly, it's the best gym in the city in that regard, I think. I mean, yeah. I, I, like in terms of its look and feel, I think it totally is tops. So you're entering the playoffs now for Crown League. That's right. I know you guys had the last week off because of OVL balance and yep. caravan and all the extracurriculars. Yep. For those that are trying to attend this week and fans that haven't yet, pitch to them why they should come to Crown League. Um, you probably got a bit of it before the playoffs started. You obviously probably got some of the during OVL balance, but um, Crown League is the best basketball league in the city where it's a, everyone is playing for bragging rights. I mean, one left here who won last year uh, is not going to be in the playoffs this year. So it just shows you how quickly things can change, but... Um, they're playing for pride. They're playing for that name. Um, everyone likes the bragging rights. And, you know, as you see, you talk about that gym, you talk about week after week and what it is. Um, it's the best basketball in the city on that level. And you also don't, with the playoffs, more guys can show up. So, I mean, I'm not, I don't know anything, but obviously looking at it, you know, the closer you get to the end, teams want to get the best players possible. So you never know who may show up. Nice little tease there. Hey, we just you've seen it though. I can't. I'm not even saying anything you haven't seen. Yeah, it are you going to show up? I know you're a mega city I, star. I would be working. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not on that level of uh, basketball play. I'm sure Akil admits to that as well. Um, I don't know, man. Akil's a uh, Mr. Oh, basketball to you. He is Mr. Basketball. Period. He is. But um, <laughs> he's but um, hey, I mean, like these guys are. Like I said, this is what they do. They, they play basketball for their livelihood. Um, they have a love of the game, but they're professionals. Let's segue a bit into the Toronto basketball scene as a whole. There's somebody you used to play against. His son is actually pretty damn good. I, uh, I asked him about great. you. He's considered like the next prodigy. As if, for those that don't know, I'm talking about Rowan Barrett Jr. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Rowan Barrett? Jr., Jr.? sorry. Thank you. RJ um, Jr. RJ dropped 30 points. Um, it'll be a bounce last week. I forgot who was playing. He was. I want to say it was the NBA player he was playing against, but um, that kid is like infinitely talented um he's just scratching the surface he's young um you know i think having his dad who's kind of been through it all and seen it has really done a good job keeping him grounded um but 
I mean, like, you know, he's already the number one draft pick and he's not even graduating yet. Right? Yeah. Um, I don't know what to say about his game. I mean, obviously, he still has some growth um, to do from his game, but he has a lot of the tools, the mindset, and, I mean, he's young. He's still going to grow and continue and get bigger and stronger. I mean, this is a kid who played with – he's on the cadet team and did training camp with the men's national team and held his own. And did really yeah. well. Yeah, so that just speaks to the game that he's got. With him, though, he went to Mount Verde Academy this yeah. year. Mm-hmm. A lot of the next the next guys, yeah. air quotations, right. in Canada or Toronto specifically, they leave. Yeah. How do you keep guys like this in the city? Um, or can you even? You know, it's tough. I think you can, though. I think it's, it's changing where the prep schools are getting better. Um, and the competition is getting better. So, I mean, if you look at a school like AI, they're playing a lot of the top schools in the States. They're traveling a lot. So... Um, there's that opportunity where they can get that kind of experience, the training, the facility they have, um, and playing against those teams and exposure, and stay home. Like Thought Maker is another example of a guy. Like I mean, he didn't play his whole career here, but you know he played for AI and he still got that exposure. Yeah. And he was like a lottery pick in the NBA. So I think now it's starting to change where if your scheduling can be there, you could travel and be and get the exposure that all the U.S. kids get. You can stay home and do it. But I mean, Montverde is also the top school in North America, mm-hmm. so it's like you know. Like, I know the prep circuit will run with, like, Montverde, St. Benedict's, like, right. Wasatch. There's a lot of teams that are right. going to play each other, even yeah. though they're geographically not close. Right. The OSBA in Ontario now, they're trying to make this with, like, Michael Carr, AI. Yeah. What other schools could be added to that to make it more competitive? Or is there? I just feel like it's kind of a unique setting. Well, I think, yeah, I think the prep environment is obviously more basketball-focused. And, I mean, obviously, the OSBA has, they've added a couple more teams. There's also another prep league that's, that's starting as well with a number of teams. And I think that kind of attention to basketball helps because it's, like, you know, if you're playing AAU and you're going to school and it's like your basketball coach is the baseball coach or he's a geography teacher who's not related to basketball, you want that dedicated attention and you're getting at a lot of these prep schools. So I think that's what's changing and I think it's going to help because some kids go down to the States and they're not ready to. You know what I mean? And then, then what happens, right? So sometimes you want to have that, that structure, um, that confidence to be home where you can do what you got to do as opposed to like going down there, plunging early and not knowing and then it's like you're in a system where it might not work for you in that regard. That makes sense. I'm kind of on the fence a bit with them keeping players here just because if you don't finance it, right? Like we don't have the facilities a lot of these American schools have. And AI, for example, does. But outside of that... Yeah, it, it, is, it is tough. I mean, every situation is different. Yeah. Um, I think AI is kind of an example that you can look to that has like the facilities and has the scheduling and has the infrastructure there. Because um, it's tough for a TDSA school to kind of break the, like, the board and go on their own. Yeah, it is. Because you've got to fund yourself then I after know, that. So. It's interesting, my friend. It is. It's a tough dynamic. I mean, we have that. Unfortunately, the brain drain happens in so many different areas and basketball as well, too. But I think it's a little like it's developing here where it's not as bad because, I mean, three years ago, no one. No money. It wasn't, it wasn't even an option to stay here at all. Yeah. Zero. So now it is, which I think. And people are also exceeding. Like, look at Jamal Murray. He never left. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? I mean, he's a rare player, but there are success stories you can point to. So talking about some of the past guys here, a lot of times where I personally would discover them as like a kid was playing out on the parks. Right. Playing on the courts, going down like even harbor front. Right. What's your favorite courts outdoors? I'm working on a piece about this. Where are your personal favorites in the city? Um, I probably have two. Um, harbor front, which is obviously the court. Yeah. I mean, that, to me, that's the court in the city where like if you play, like that's where you gotta kind of like you have to prove yourself. Basically. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and I like um, I forgot the official name of it. Underpass. No, I hate Underpass. <laughs> underpass, listen. Underpass is a fantastic court. It's great visually. Every commercial, every promo yeah, I use cool. it looks yeah, exactly. great. As a the courts are too close together. Okay. The rims are too thick. The double rims, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of the court. I, I don't like playing there. I mean, it looks great. Don't get me wrong. I've shot tons of stuff there. Right. It's not a real court. I, would, I mean, I wouldn't want to play there. I mean, I like playing in the full court situation. So, um, I can't, that's not a court. What's it called again? Unless, um, uh, that's why I didn't like... Um, it's not that far from here. It's called it. It's named after someone. You know the one with the mural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you're talking about. The name evades me. Oh, it's like, it's a guy's it's name. It's not one of the VC courts. No, no, no. no, no it's not. Yeah, no, I, I forgot think... what it, Actually, MLSC did refurbish the court. But, um, nice. I want to say like Dave Robbie, but that's not it. But anyways. It's just um, like literally down the road. I know. Anyways, that, that's kind of, I think that's my favorite court. I've yeah. been there yeah, a lot of times. But you're like a full court guy through and through them by the sounds of it. I... Hey, so I don't have the shot. I got the hustle, the energy, man. I got to run the floor, run the lanes, do all that stuff. So you're JYD 3.0 because we already have JYD. And then we have I don't, Damari Personally, Carol. Damari, I don't – get have your own name. You don't need for 2.0. <laughs> He's like, a swing daddy, man. Be your, own, be your own guy, man. You don't have to have, like, someone else's name. Like, come on, man. Like, yeah. when you're 2.0, it's like 
Anyways, come come with another name. Swag Daddy? I'm not a fan of that either. But I'm not really a fan of it either, but he's wearing some exotic stuff. Oh, he's always been the stylish guy. Yeah. Um, I think we're all select, though. Um, what about you? Those are my two. For me, Harbor Front. Harbor Front yeah. Yeah. I don't mind the underpass. And then... I know, I know. It's I know okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we okay. have differences. We yeah, have yeah, differences to each their own. Why do you like underpass then? Why don't you mind it? It's just quaint. Like it's it's got like a nice setting to it. It looks nice, and the half court. Yeah, it's not about the basketball. No, it's the aesthetic. Aesthetically, that looks nice. Aesthetically pleasing. Looks nice. Yeah, for IG, it looks great. I don't even take that many IG photos. Oh yeah. No, there's like what? I'm trying to think. The VC courts in Rexdale used to be nice, like out by the airport there, but then mm-hmm. the neighborhood changed and everything kind of went downhill with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, there's a lot of courts that are cool, but, you know, in terms of, like, playing and competition and knowing, yeah, I think that's that was the spot. This is completely off topic, yep. but researching you a bit, I found that you used to be in the music industry. Yep. Our opening song is Shot Claire, Let's Ride. Uh-huh. <laughs> I heard that when the song went gold, a certain Dwayne Watson got a plaque from Mr. Shaw Claire. Is that true or no? Oh, yeah. I have it in my house. What's the backstory with that? I used to work at, I worked at Shaw Claire's record label. Shaw Claire's on my yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so um, I actually, we were, in, we were on tour in Thunder Bay, and the DJ kind of come, and I actually had to DJ for Shaw Claire for one show. I was, and it's like, I'm not a DJ, but I mean, it was cool. It was, so that's kind of like my little trivia there, but... um. Um, yeah, I mean, that time was a great time for him and his career, and, you know, he was huge. had a lot of, yeah, he was really huge, Reebok, Studio, all that stuff, mm-hmm. so, um, and it was good in terms of, like, putting Canadian hip-hop in the map in a major way where a lot of Canadian labels weren't really supporting, like, a lot of people were doing independently, so the fact that a Canadian label gets get behind a guy, uh, and, you know, deliver a cool success to him off, you know, hit singles and, and the work he's done was great, kind of almost what's happening with basketball now where there's a lot more infrastructure to support. How did, who else did you work with, actually, before I even transition with it? You, you, and, Charles like, ever, you and Charles ever collaborate? Charles is in your way? Yeah. Um, not directly. I mean, like, we did a lot of stuff together, um, mm-hmm. but um, not directly an artist. Yeah, okay. But, I mean, like, I was in the scene, so, like, before I worked at EMI, I worked at this independent label called Beach Factory, and, like, so I worked with, like, Cardi and the Sox and the Rascals and a bunch of other guys. Man, you're Northern Touch. Was that you in the background? No, there? I was not. <laughs> My man Big C, who put me on, actually, um, that was actually his idea. That's was huge. Uh, I down goes talking Big C plus the yeah. It was that whole concept was his idea. So, um, yeah, it was a good time, man. It was a great time uh, for music in Canada with lots, tons of great artists and all that. Too. Why did you make the transition from music to basketball? Um, they say it's a music business, and you always have to remember that. And it started becoming more business and music oh, okay and i mean i still had a passion for the music i mean it's a reality it's business and especially mm-hmm. when the internet age and downloading happened it became more about the, the dollars and the bottom line as opposed to the talent and i wanted to change i mean basketball was always a passion of mine i was doing some freelance writing before that and they were you know cutting back on people it's like instead of giving the guy who's been here for 20 years as a mortgage to pay a package and he has no, no next steps right. and to me and i'll try and figure out what i can do next and you know, I left and I was like, oh, I'm going to be like a brand marketing agent for players and stuff, whatever. Right. That didn't happen very quickly. <laughs> like um, the yeah. Well, you know what the funny thing is? that It's like, that was like seven years ago and there wasn't, came, like there wasn't really, I mean, at that point, it was like Canadian players was like Jamal and Steve Nash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the. And the corporate Canada wasn't really even looking at basketball at that point, right? I remember Steve Nash on like much music back in the day for the national team dribbled yep. the ball with that. Yeah, talking about I remember that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was yeah. So the best version of Steve Nash with his super long hair. Yeah, dropping down. <laughs> yeah. But um yeah, so you know, I mean, media was always something I was interested in. I felt like there wasn't enough exposure for basketball in this country. I mean, like you see it. I mean, what you saw back then it's changed a lot now, but um, you know, there was a time when there wasn't even box scores in the newspaper. Um, or like highlights were at the end of Sports Center, right. so um, you know, just giving a voice to the sport from people who kind of came up from the sport was kind of my thing, and that's kind of how it's evolved into now. So I'm guessing that's how you kind of found Slam Magazine at the time. Well, I was always a fan of Slam, right? Yeah. I mean, like you know, back in the day, Slam was the be all and end all. Like Slam was the internet for basketball. How'd you get into that? Um, yeah, I got into Slam actually because. Um, it's funny because I knew a guy who was a lot of stuff with Slam, and he recommended me, and I pitched the editor. I was like, got my opportunity. I pitched him on a bunch of stories, and he's like, yeah, we got people doing that. Because at Slam, it's like there's so many guys there. It's like if there's a Kevin Grant story back mm-hmm. then, they've, you know, they've everybody's bought, they've all over everyone's all over it. Yeah. So I realized that I had to kind of have like a, a different perspective because 
everything, pretty much everything's already covered, right? So I basically approached him on doing a, a blog on doing um, basketball films. So, cool. so at that time, 30 for 30 hadn't even really started yet. So he's like, you sure? There's some stuff in there? I'm like, yeah. So I would basically talk about like upcoming basketball films or interview like the directors or players in the films. And then 30 for 30 started and he's going to do more content. And then obviously it became easier and easier for people to make films and documentaries. So um, that was kind of becoming a thing where they would get stuff and they would send it to me directly. And I formed a relationship with Ben Osborne, the editor. Mm-hmm. And then from that point, it was just like, okay, like now, like there's no, there's no other way I would be able to form that relationship without doing this blog where I kind of like kind of prove myself. Um, and then it's like, hey, well, we're doing Raptor stories, so obviously I knew you're the guy. You're, I almost said Mr. Basketball. <laughs> you're the guy in Toronto. <laughs> um, so you know, let's do some stuff. So you know, and like I've got a good relationship with those guys, and you know, obviously the aid. You know, I, I'm I've been doing a lot more freelancing before, not as much now, but. Um, yeah, I mean, still to write for like the basketball bible was kind of like a, a big, big deal. deal. Yeah, it's a huge course. deal. Yeah. What's your favorite short film or even documentary? Basketball. Yeah. Um, I saw on your Tumblr you had like a whole bunch. You like are like the Narquar <laughs> of basketball, man. This guy's like be, on man. my stuff. Man. <laughs> um, you didn't have a Lem Bias one though. I didn't see that one on there. Were you a Lem Bias fan? That's a sad story. You know man. what? It's you know what? It's like story, this is gonna sound really judgmental, but. To have that opportunity and talent and ability and to throw it all away, not that, like, I don't give a fuck about them bias, but it's like, you kind of threw his shit away, you know what I mean? So not that too bad, but not that the story wasn't good. But, um, I mean, like, Hoop Dreams to me, like, I remember, like, Hoop Dreams is obviously really old, but I remember Hoop Dreams, I remember, like, kind of thinking that, oh, yeah, I want to be in the NBA and stuff, whatever. And then, like, seeing what these guys went through, like, it was, it was a great story on, like, um. Like, I mean, people universally say Hoop is one of the best documentaries, period, not just basketball, because it's a great storytelling story. Um, but that's definitely a really good one. Um, one that I really liked, uh, Jonathan Hawk, anything he does is pretty much dope. Um, the Five Slam and Jamma one that he did on North Carolina State. Yeah. Um, and Jim Valvano and his yeah. story. And I had no idea that him and Shashesky were that close. Me neither. You know? I was like, holy cow. And just the path they went through, but the way they told that story I thought was really good, too. Yeah, it's, there's so many good ones. Even like the I Hate Christian Leitner this year, the 30 for 30. Yep. I didn't yep. realize how much like UNLV and Tarkanian and those guys oh, yeah. despise Duke. And oh, everybody yeah. else for that matter. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know. Like I knew it was bad. But, but like, man. They, they hate every single fiber oh, sure. of Duke's being. Basically. But I mean, I think 30 for 30 was so great because it just like, there's so many sports stories that got told, mm-hmm. um, whether basketball or not basketball. Um, you know, and like there's things that as sports fans, we're so close to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the bad boys or all that stuff. Like, oh, that's I mean, a really good one. Yeah, Even Jordan so, riding the bus for baseball. Yeah, I realize that exactly. Well, what I like about it too is that it's not just like the obvious story, like, you know, Allen Iverson, like, but they didn't say, oh, this is the 72 and 10 Chicago Bulls. Like, we all know that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So many different sides, different perspectives. People didn't know the, know. like AI, they didn't know the fight he had in the yeah, bowling alley. Exactly. Or even like Jordan on the bus, yeah. all that stuff. That's another great story. Want to talk Raptors for a bit? Before we oh, Whatever you guys want, man. You're always about Raptors? I'm always about basketball talk. Oh, friend. man. Yeah, we could do this for we hours. We were doing it like <laughs> half an hour before we got yeah, on. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> what do you think about their offseason? It was kind of quiet. A lot of people were Disappointing. Upset. It was disappointing. Really? Disappointing? Oh, come on, man. Like, we needed a four. Who could we get, though? It's not my concern. <laughs> <laughs> we needed a four, and we need to get better. And I'm saying we. I don't yeah, need to say we. we, okay? The Raptors need to get, I mean... We knew losing Bismack was going to happen. Yeah, right. fine, right? Um, that at this team's best, they couldn't beat the Cloud and Cavaliers, which is fine. They're the champions. But they're the bar. They're the best team. We know they're going to be in the finals next year, right? So that's the team they have to beat. So, I mean, I would have loved Paul Millsap. Didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I guess Gasol would have been okay, although I could concern defensively. Yeah. Uh, Solinger is going to be better than Scola. He loses the weight. Yeah, if he loses Even if he doesn't lose the weight, he's better than Scola. He's better than Scola. Yeah, but he's going to lose the weight. You know why? He saw everyone get paid this year. Yeah. He saw, he could have easily got that dumb weight that was going around this yeah, summer. He, he, he did it, right? Vasquez, man. Exactly. <laughs> so, so I think for him, he's going to get, and, you know, which, like, this is a one year. It's going to be the same thing as Bianca's situation again. But, fine. yeah, which is fine because we still have fun with that player for us. But I just feel like, I'm not saying that they messed up, but I kind of felt that I really wanted to trade the picks. I don't want the picks. Because, you know, we got, we got a lot of young talent on this team right now. And yeah. 9 has been a great tool for them. Trade those two picks and get a four that can come in to start and put Pat Patterson on the bench where he's more effective. Do you really think Patrick Patterson should be playing from the bench instead of starting? Yeah. Yes. Did you watch the playoffs? Yeah, but this is a... He doesn't even want to start. <laughs> <laughs> if he was right here right now, he said, I feel more comfortable coming off the bench. 
I don't understand why though. Like, I don't understand, understand why either. But so so this is the thing. I thought, and don't forget, at the beginning of the season, everyone thought he was starting. Right. right? Yes. Everyone thought he was starting. He lost the starting job to Luis Scola. Right. And I mean, to Luis credit, he had a great he had a great start to the season, Luis. Right. Mm-hmm. He played good. But come on, man. Old legs. They they set in. Yeah, but I think that like like if Pat was cut to be the starter, he would have had that job. Last year. Last year. Yeah. And it, you know, when he says that he feels more comfortable, then it's like, you got to That's what he says in the field. Whatever. So, Sullinger is going to start then, you're thinking, because this guy over here has There's, the biggest distaste for Jared Sullinger. It's ridiculous. It's not the biggest distaste. I just feel like, the you know, he has to lose the weight. Right. right? Agree. So, it's either he's on the Kyle Lowry plan, right? Hopefully, hopefully he is. Or his shorts <laughs> are going to be stapled to the bench because he's not going to be able to, to guard anybody. Um, right? Yeah, I mean, he, it's going to be tough for him to, to, to guard stretches for sure right. because he's not that quick. Um, but he has the advantage on the offensive end, right? I mean, he's a better rebounder than – he's going to be one of the better rebounders in this yeah. team. Um, he can work in post. He has a bit of mid-range. Mm-hmm. I think he's I think he's going to start because, don't forget, Pat Patterson would be on – he's not on the bench that long, really, right? That's true. So it's like – but he's going to come in – but he just doesn't like feel comfortable starting the game. Yeah, right? yeah it's just like so – it's, it's, it's almost like mental spot- in a sense. Yeah, exactly, it's right? like the spotlight But I think like Soldier can give you some meaningful minutes, and I think that um, – you know, he's not going to be like an all-star or anything like that, but I think he's going to do enough. And I think that he's been starting. Mm-hmm. He's going to continue to start because they need – him coming off the bench doesn't help Pat Patterson at right. all. Right? I know, but he was – when he was on Boston, he was starting next to Amir Johnson. Right. Like, Jared Sonninger was, he was in the center. center. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He can't really do that now because Jonas is the exactly, center. Exactly, right, yeah. Might help him too, though. Right, okay. I think, I, think, I think, honestly, I think it's going to work. I mean, I'm not hating on the summer because – it worked out being a very low risk move with potential high reward, mm-hmm. and it's still an upgrade over the current situation. My That's concern true. is that this team is not as good as they were last year, and the East has got a lot better. better. Yeah, so, especially Boston. Yeah, I mean, like even like I Indiana, Indiana. Jeff Teague, Thaddeus Young, yeah. Al Jefferson. They still got Miles Turner. New York. I mean, I'm not saying they're better than the Raptors, but yeah. they got better. Yeah. You know, Chicago. Detroit. There's a lot. Yeah, Detroit, Detroit's Orlando. Yeah. Like, there's so Milwaukee's poised to get better. Yeah, so, <laughs> so there's so like the Raptors aren't the second best team in the East anymore. Yeah. Like, they were hands down. I think they're still top four. Yeah, yeah. At, at this top four, and a take like, it's tighter than last. Even last year, it was still like yeah, you know two through eight was kind of tight. Whatever, yeah. it's even tighter this year. Class Demari Carroll at his camp right. about the East getting better, right. and he goes. Who's saying that? <laughs> like, How are they not getting better though? When he goes, it's outside noise and hype, and I was, which it kind of is. I mean, for the Knicks for a bit. It's but. hard to it's hard to tell what your position is like when you're in the trenches, you know, because you're encased with well, your entire. Well, he also, he also feels that they're still the second best team in the conference, yeah, which he should. I mean, that's the right attitude to have. But you just look at. I mean, chemistry is going to be the issue with how these teams because there's obviously so much change over the offseason mm-hmm. and how these teams play together and how they work. Um, this team doesn't need much tweaking aside from Soldier coming in, really. Right. But um, you know, it, on paper, it's going to be tough for these guys, and I mean. I'm not saying they can't do it, but I don't. I see it very, very tough for the team to get back to the conference finals. At this point, they're going to have to rely on uh, like development from the talent that they already have on the floor. So Demar Derozan, Jonas Valanciunas, Norman Powell. Powell. And my concern is because like, they're they're still young. That's the best thing about the team is that the mo- the majority of the team is young, other than Kyle Lowry and uh, Demar Carroll. So they can kind of rely on get improving from the inside. Well, Demar Carroll has to kind of have the season that we expect him to have. He's mm-hmm. got to stay healthy. He's got to stay on the court. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, if I mean the thing is too with with Demar and Kyle going to Olympics, which is fantastic for them. But if I'm like Masai, I'm like I don't want them to go right. because they had such a long season. You know, they've had a couple of injuries. Miles, so, man, it's Miles. Yeah, same Olympics. like that's yeah. the reason why uh, LeBron and Steph Curry didn't go. Oh, and half there, right? More than half yeah. the season. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I think conversely though, I find that I mean I don't have these numbers in it, but every year that players go to Olympics and they come back, mm-hmm. they have better seasons. And I think yes. there's a couple of things that happen where they're around elite players and pick up on habits and just attitude and mindset and whatnot. And also they're playing against like top guys all the time. Best of the best. They're forced to get better. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's going to help those guys. Um, I think it's great for DeRozan, man. Yeah. The yeah. Well, I think he's the best, be the best time for DeRozan to well, do Well, I mean, I think, I don't know. I mean, I think, I don't want to say DeMar's peaked. I think he's continued to grow and improve mm-hmm. every single year. To me, the only thing for DeMar is a three-point shot. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen over the camp of the summer or him being in the gym just taking shots, taking shots, taking shots, taking shots. Right. But um, you know, I think I think those guys need to grow. But I think the the window or the 
whatever opening, the, the gap of the mm-hmm. growth isn't as big as the other guys. Really. Like Damari being healthy, or Norman Powell taking another step, or mm-hmm. JB taking another step, yeah. which he was kind of doing both times he got injured and mm-hmm. then got stopped. Those guys got to improve. Like if Kyle and Damari had the same season there last year, they're still fine. Yep. Right? Those other guys have to step up for the spot. Are the Raptors still in that window of opportunity, or is that yet to come? I think it is because when your best player is getting older, you've got to act on it, right? Yeah. I mean, which is Kyle Lowry, in my opinion. So I don't think they can wait two years to try and make that push. That's why I say trade the picks. Because if you can trade the picks, and I mean, I'm not, I mean, no one was really available, but if, like, say they got. They were trying to make this huge push for Serge Ibaka, and there was the, yeah, that yeah. whole the story. The problem is that they wanted too much. Too much. They wanted Serge. Norman Powell, Terrence Ross. Yeah, they wanted picks. too much, which is ridiculous. But I mean, if they got Serge Ibaka on this team, mm-hmm. then hey, they can compete. He'd help. So yeah, they had four first round picks though. Like they had two this past year, two this year coming up. Yeah, yeah. I mean right. they got assets to move. They got yeah. a lot of young guys like Delon Wright, Powell. So, yeah. guys you can I'm not saying they're in trouble, but I think that um, you know, like this team is going to take like they had a successful franchise best, right? It might not happen this year, so. Might take, I feel like they're going to take a step back as too. Like, right. Like, so it's just it's like, like, yeah, but they overachieved last year, right? Like, there's no denying that. Did they? No. I think so. <laughs> I think they overachieved slightly. 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 Like, not a lot, but like, like regular season or playoffs? More regular so. season. Regular season? Playoffs, yeah, they grinded out seven games with everybody. <laughs> no. like, I'm, you could say that I, I think it would be easier to say that they overachieved in the postseason. Yeah. They're, they're they're a good, they're, but they were a good team. I, I thought, like, seven. Did, they played all the top teams well. They took care of. Home court, like I mean, what I don't think they overachieved last year. It's just like they played. The I think I think the play, but I think no one expected them to be in the conference finals. Yeah, nobody, nobody did. But the right? East was terrible. Did you expect them to be in the conference finals? <laughs> Honestly, God, before it started, I said I expect them to be there just based on how bad the East before is. What, and the playoffs started before the season started. No, before like the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course they were training good. Right, right, yeah, exactly. Right, but the beginning of the season, no, no, right. Second round, just give me that. Right, so that is kind of an. I mean. Well, they did, they did what they're supposed to, but they did kind of overachieve because no one thought they were going to get that far. Yeah, I mean, true. everyone thought, oh, 50 wins or what are they at? Like, how many wins? 57, I think it was. Yeah, 56. so 56. I'm right. Sure. So the wins, the win total wasn't that surprising to me. I don't think. Actually, no, I thought it would be down a bit. But um, they were neck and neck with the Cavs almost till the end. Yeah, for exactly. first seed in the East. So, but now what? Now you have to keep that up, right? Yeah. yeah. So you know, like you don't see that happening with the Thunder or. The Warriors and stuff. It's There's always, no drop off, yeah. Yeah, it ha- so it has to be continued, but it's tough because they lost Biombo, who was really big for this year. And, you know, like I said, DeMar- I think Damari Carroll is almost not the X Factor, but he's a guy, if he can play like how we've seen him play, mm-hmm. they're in much, much better shape. Yeah, he can help. He's really versatile, too. Yeah, exactly. And he even said he was trying to shoot 40%. Yeah, well, he told year. me he, he wants to shoot bare minimum 40% from three. That's good. It's one year, <laughs> though, right? High, yeah. Hey, but, but you know what, though? His three point shot would definitely help open up the floor for these guys. I mean, that's. that's I mean, Patrick Patterson missed a ton in the playoffs. And they were open looks. The Cavs Pat Patterson's plus them, minus and defense wasn't so good. He was driving me crazy to begin the season. He was shooting so bad. Yeah. It's like you're a three point shooter, you got knocked down threes. But he brought in different different levels. And that, that's really what's key to you. Are you an advanced metrics guy? You brought no. plus minus and stuff? No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I look at more. I mean, you can't kind of discredit plus minus, I feel. Um, because it's what you're doing on the floor, right? Yeah. But uh, I'm not really a big uh, analytics guy. Um, not that I don't believe in it, but I think that, you know, also like... Heat maps don't keep you up at night. You know, war. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know, know what? War stat or your wins. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not saying it's not effective, but I think, you know, as basketball players, you're creatures of habit, right? And mm-hmm. it's like, you kind of, it's hard to kind of like change knowing that, you know, I shoot a better percentage from this ball than four. And if I, I'm trying to figure what's the best opportunity if two defenders are in front of me or the play's giving me this. You know, I probably can make it if I get this, even though that's what you want me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it helps the game, though, without question. Yeah, that's true, man. You guys yeah. big analytics fan? I know I like it a lot because it gives you a different perspective of the game. Right. But I can't say it's like the be-all, end-all. For me, it just it's another set of data for you to kind of look at and yeah. learn different ways to attack a team. But it's not going to tell me what that player does exactly. Exactly. It can't account for what they do off the court. How yep. they practice, like other intangibles, it doesn't measure. Yeah, I'm, I'm down the middle. Game. I mean, there's some old school guys like you know Charles and Hill Brockby and those guys. Like they don't believe in it. Well. <laughs> and those guys are super super pro. Um, I'm kind of down the middle. Yeah, I think that's the best way to go, especially because the best way to assess any situation is like have the most information possible. Yeah. Even if you know you can't account for you know the chemistry of the team or what they do in yeah. the locker room. Or yeah, and you also have to like watch the game too. I mean, like the numbers are in front of you, but if you don't see how it all plays out, it 
than how yeah, exactly. they are. Sometimes bad shots, like they show up as a made shot, but sometimes they're still bad shots. And then yeah. you got guys like Kobe Bryant who shoot a lot of bad shots. Yeah, right? they still right. go in. Right, so it's kind of deceiving too, right? Yeah, they're like anti-analytics players. They're yeah. great, great as Vasquez with that guy too, right? Yeah. It's like, no, no, yeah! <laughs> yeah right. He's, been he's my since, guy, don't get me wrong. But. He's been doing that since he was with Maryland, though. Yeah, I know. I mean, there are Gary Williams nuts. Yeah, there's situations that you can't account for in, like, in, in stats. Like if the clock is running down and you have to jack up a three, sometimes yeah. if you're the go-to player, you got to do that two or three times a game. And especially with the Raptors where there's a lot of... Um, Isolation position. <laughs> what is their offense? I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, not that I don't know, but I feel like the, the problem is that they're both, DeMar and Kyle are both good um, isolation. isolation players. Yeah, they need right? the ball. Both need the ball but, in their hands. You know, my, my concern is that the ball doesn't move often enough sometimes as a ball club. I mean, and I mean, you know, I think. If you don't get to touch the ball, man, it's harder to shoot the ball. In I'm playing on a team right now. I won't say which team. <laughs> and you play with ball dominant guys, and it's like, what happens is when you don't get the ball very often, you shoot it because you don't think you're going to get it back yeah, again, exactly. right? So that creates bad shots on that player who doesn't get the touches, mm-hmm. or they're not shooting the, fl- in the rhythm of the offense. So, because guys dominate. So it's like, the ball's going to move around. I mean, sometimes, you know, we saw it when Terrence Ross is on, he's getting those corner threes, the ball's moving, it works. Mm-hmm. Don't even talk with Terrence Ross. <laughs> this could be for a while. Yeah, um, but I mean, when the when the flow of the offense works, it, it, it's good. How do you fix that? Or can you? It's tough when it's you know, hard when it's your two best players. That yeah, play it's also hard when it's like I'm not saying Kyle the hog by any means, but it's hard when like you know it starts from there. Like the two first people to touch the ball is Demar Kyle, mm-hmm. as it should be, right? But it generally doesn't move a lot from there. I mean, you know, Demar's got a great mid range game. Demar can post you up, so can Kyle. So it's like it's tough. But you gotta you gotta keep everyone involved. You know what I mean? I think yeah. like I think JV needs to get some looks in the post, whatever. To me, it's like, and I've seen Kyle do this sometimes. Where like he'll like everyone get get in the game and then he'll he'll do his thing because mm-hmm. Kyle could literally come out of the court and score every time right. he wanted to, if yeah. he wanted to. He just pulls his way but let everyone else get their touches and get get it and then go for yours. I don't understand why they don't use more like pick and roll situations. Like we saw more in the playoffs with JV where. A lot of times they would just run like Kyle up high, like right. one five screen roll, and JV would just dive to the cup, and that was it. I know. Whereas like if they did that with DeRozan, at least it would open up the mid range. It would create so many more options, and I just I don't get why they don't do it. Yeah, it's, it's they did it with Biombo a lot. And the Biombo's big game, that's all it was, yeah, right? It's all a dive. Exactly. <laughs> the other concern you have is JV on the pick and roll defense on the other side, which is it's a nightmare. It's not pretty. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not, not exactly. So I mean, you know, I hope he. You know, we'll see how it is in the summer. I mean, obviously, he's representing Lithuania or whatever. Yeah. I mean, all those reps off this game, hopefully it'll help. We always talk about him, like, not getting his touches in the post. And, you, know, right. you even re- mentioned it. Like, how do we solve this? Like, Stackhouse tried to, though. It's really funny because you watch the possessions and, like, he's there and they just don't give him the ball. Yeah, they just never give him the ball. Um, I mean, I'm not a big part, probably a small part of his positioning, but, I mean, like, is it just know. like, a, do I need to like go to talk to these guys and show them the tape? And like, you know, I got you on this. Apparently, Stackhouse was barking about that all the time. But in summer, like, you saw him do that with Portal. Yeah, yeah, Portal got the ball in the post. And so that's not Portal. I don't. I call him Ninja Portal. It's Portal. <laughs> oh, it's Portal. I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja uh, Portal. So Stack's taking nine to five, right? Yeah, that's yes. a big move for him. That's good. That's good. I, I just want to hear the trash talk at the Hershey Center. Oh, That's gosh. gonna be great. You know, it's a it's a great step for him. You know, because he was just uh, an assistant coach. You yeah. know, not being able to. You know, you get to coach your own team. Exactly. Is getting in. And developing players. I mean, that's kind of probably doing. He has a lot of stuff to share with those guys. So yeah, that's and they're they're all players that are going to be bouncing between the nine hundred five and the Raptors. And I'm, I'm sure Bruno can use those hard talks. Oh man, what do you think about Bruno? Honestly, when I watch him at Crown League, I know it's only Crown League in the sense where it's summer league. But every time I watch this guy, he looks lazy. He looks aloof. I heard from a lot of people that he likes to party a lot, and he's always at well, clubs. Well, I agree. I can't speak on that stuff, but I would agree with you on like what I saw at Crown League. And I mean, for me, it's like to me, like being involved in Crown League. Any time a player is in the NBA, he comes to Crown League. They should be just trying to kill everybody. Destroy, like because Kelly yeah, last year, he yeah, killed Kelly, everybody. Bennett did it. Kelly yeah. did it. Um, Brady Hassel did it last yeah. year. Yeah, he and I feel, him. I feel like because you know, it's kind of like I have a chest. Put, like I'm in the league and this is why I can do these things. So I think Bruno had a really good first half. I think he had like 11, you know, like, no, I remember his first game. But the thing is, he doesn't have that kill mentality. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, he's longer than anyone's covering him. You know, he should be killing everybody. Is he D and three bound to be that kind of player? Just strictly D and three? Like, what else can you do with this guy? The problem is he's shooting way more threes. Like, he shoots a lot of threes threes now, yeah. He's, He's falling in love with that three point shot. So, 
I think there's still hope, but like really, you gotta look at it because rookie contracts me up next year. So after next year, they actually have to like I mean, actually yeah, evaluate his actual. I don't think anyone's gonna like come in and offer him a shit ton of money. Me neither. But I mean, yeah. you know, I think you can't invest as much time in a guy and just let him go after that unless he's like mentally not there. Because Megan McPeak, she's the 905. Yeah, she used to work with you at the Hang On, all that. I know that. She um, she was saying that she thinks Bruno just gets way too down on himself all the time. It could be. I mean, she has a better insight on him because she sees him every game or whatever. Um, I don't know. I can't say. I just feel like something needs to click in him. You know what I mean? I I mean, not everyone has the motor or the fire or whatnot. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't have the it factor either. Yeah, and physically, he's got the tools. He has everything, and he just shoot. can't put it together. Um, yeah, I think he needs a little more toughness, too, in terms of, like, you know, just getting, like, frustrated a little bit, mm-hmm. like, mental toughness. I, I would love to see him on the floor, you know, like, actually playing for the Raptors. Yeah, but when you, you know see him on the floor playing for the Raptors, what do you think? Get him off the floor. Yeah, get him off the floor. You've seen enough to know. I mean, have you watched any 9 of 5 games? Not yeah, trying to put you on the slide. Yeah, a couple of them. So how has he looked when you've seen him? Yeah, meh. Right, so, so, so to me, it's like, and that's the thing, if you're in the 905, you should be like, Norm Powell goes 905, drops three points. Lauren yeah. Rice getting double-doubles. Like, that's what I think that players of that caliber should be doing. Um, not saying take the Jimmer for that route. Like, he's taking, like, 30 shots a night in the D-League to try and get back. Right, exactly. But at the same time, like, at least he's scoring buckets. Yeah, I think that, so I think Bruno should be like, the style lines you hear from Bruno in 905 should be impressive. And I don't know what his numbers were this year, mm-hmm. but I know they weren't, like. They're all over the place. He got yeah. in foul trouble a lot, too. Yeah, that's another thing. Because For a guy you can't, like him? you got to remember, like, the next level, he's not going to be able to do those things. Really, yeah, exactly. That, that assignment's going to be way tougher to cover. It seems like this year is, like, kind of like a year where you got to make or break for him, it feels a little bit like. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because if he underwhelms and they resign him, no, it's like the expectation to be lowered or, or whatever. Yeah. But it is. He's got to kind of step up and show something. Because honestly, two years away from me, two years away, he's had the two years, right? Yeah. So. You know, you gotta, like you gotta, sh- he has to show something. Yeah, yeah, I but mean, that's like, like then he's done. He's then done. he's done. He's I mean, done. my thing is like, I, I never really had a problem with the pick because I didn't feel there was anyone else who could kind of like Rodney Hood was maybe the only guy arguably who they could have drafted yeah. instead of mm-hmm. him. He's turned out pretty well. But do I really? But at the same time, it's like there was no room for them to play. Like, like if Bruno was amazing right away, where would he play? Like Norm Powell only got to play because guys got hurt. Yeah. So it's true. like when they drafted him, there wasn't room for someone to kind of come in. They didn't need someone to fill that fill that void. Yeah. But he's got to start giving you something. Lauren Powell's also like wired differently too, as opposed to he, Bruno. Yeah, he, he has like yeah, the opposite. Basically, if you put Lauren Powell's mindset in Bruno's body, oh my wow. god, <laughs> you imagine? He might actually have another KD. Exactly. Yeah, you actually, definitely yeah. have like a beast for sure, right? I mean, like, you know, and he's another guy who's like, he put, he came into Ovio Bounce and he did it. He kind of did a Bruno. He didn't really. He settled for shots. I didn't. I thought he was going to come in and like score forty points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is because, like, on his Twitter, he tweeted, I was like, I'm thinking if I should go play in this or not. And I thought, okay, if he's going to go play in this, that means he's going to light it up and get a run in. Yeah, he, I mean, he he did a lot of letting the game come to him, which is cool. But for me, it's like people want to see. Yeah, people yeah, came to see. And, and if you have that ability to, like, you know, enforce your will in the game, you should. And also, it's just, like, great for you to get some buzz on the internet, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> hey, how many Drew League highlights or Shy League highlights are we, like, talking about or looking at? Uh, or, yeah, or, exactly. Know, like, when... A certain player who plays on the Knicks gets dropped. Ah, uh, you stole it. I was supposed to say that. People <laughs> talking about it, right? Yeah, that thing went. Showed it to Tyler Vernon. But uh, I actually missed it. I was downstairs when it happened. Oh, oh dude. Um, tried to play it off like he was, like, hurt almost. Yeah. I, missed, I saw the video, though. I did you see it You should have seen Stanley Johnson's face. Really? Yeah. He looked at he's like, whoa. Yeah. But that's the thing. Because, I mean, and that's why I say you got to force your blow. Because guys are going to try and make a name for themselves off of you. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that's what's happening. But guys will try and do that stuff. So you got to come out and be like, Yo, I am an elite player. I play in the NBA. This is what I do. Yeah, you cannot guard me. You cannot guard me. What do you think about Norman Powell like moving forward? You know, like he kind of jumped on the scene last year and got a few years I, left in him. I like Norman Powell. Yeah. Um, you know, I think obviously the Miami series was tough for him, but I mean, he didn't back down to Paul George at all. Mm-hmm. And like, this is a guy who's like, this is NBA playoffs, and we know it's all high level. This is rookie season where he's kind of like went like this the whole season and, yeah. and shined in the playoffs too. So. Um, he likes to play defense, which is good. He's working on his three-point shot, which we saw improve to at the season. Yeah. Um, I like he just him. sounds like a great player to me, so I was thinking with him on the Raptors, 
and like. Are you getting ahead of yourself right now? No, I'm not getting ahead of myself. <laughs> but I'm not getting. Go, 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 go. He actually is. What do What do I do with Norman Powell if he continues <laughs> no, to? No, don't don't worry. You know Tell him what you want to do. If with Norman conti- Powell. If if Norman Powell continues to improve, what do, what do I road, right? What do I do? I know what's going to happen. That's why I'm getting ahead Hey, worry about that when it happens, though. Okay. Because, I'm no, not saying trade. I'm not. No, because no, it's better to have more than not enough, right? I okay. mean. When it becomes to a critical mass, then fine. But you want him to be at his optimal value before you have to trade any of them, right? Okay. I didn't I mean, think I wasn't saying trade anybody. I'm just you oh, know. Other episodes <laughs> you said let's trade them. I think they can play together. You think they? I, think I don't they think they can, can play together. Like, you three, three. I think they can make it work. How? Because like Powell would literally be relegated to like a D and three player in a sense. Okay. And he would just match up against anybody on the court that they would need him to match up on. But he's six foot four. I know. But he also guarded Paul George. Paul yeah, yeah, but six, then he's gonna guard yeah, but who can really guard playoff Dwayne Wade? Regular Dwayne Wade? Paul George. Paul George is pretty. Come on, man. I agree. Paul George. Right Paul George right now. Right Paul now, George right is now, I think he's top five. I think Paul George is like exactly. He's right, right. So I mean, anyway, it was his first year, so I totally give him that that pass. Yeah. Whatever. Um, there's lots of upside. I think. I think second round pick. They knew what they were doing when they drafted him. Yeah. Um, Delon Wright is a guy you want to see, but obviously he's out with the yeah, shoulder. He was awesome at Utah for four months. So and he was good in nine to five too. So I mean, you want to see that growth of these young guys, which is good. I mean. They got the future looking bright, and they got a lot of players right now doing stuff. What's up with Masai being enamored with drafting guys with length? He loves wingspan. He does. He does. I don't know, man. I've noticed that since he first. Well, I think the thing is, it makes up for for size. Um, But I'm kind of still. I was really disappointed. This summer was the first summer I was like disappointed Masai. I've been one of those creatures like doesn't matter what he does, you can do no wrong. I just really felt that the team needed to make a move to get better. I mean, the question, this valid question is like how, who is out there? But um, based on, and I know that they will always say, him and Coach Casey, that they're they're not where they need to be. They're trying to get there. Mm-hmm. But I kind of feel like they still had to take that next step, and they weren't able to this year. So, you know, that, that's a question. I really would, I mean, they've done a good job drafting. They've got a good system set up. Mm-hmm. I feel like trade some of that used to, like, you know, Get someone that can kind of contribute right now. I feel like right now with the Raptors, it feels like they're in this weird in-between period where they can't really figure out what they want to do because they have all these young assets that we were just talking yeah. about. But then, like, my best players are Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, who are not necessarily young players. So, like, do I make, do I take the, do I, that's like, a, if I'm the GM, do I That's like you said, the are they going to win down more? I feel, that, I feel that they are. I mean, like, this is, like... You don't know. I'm not saying that the talent they have is not going to get better, Norman Powell or, mm-hmm. or Perdo or DeLon Wright, but you have Kyle Lowry, who's you know arguably was on the Olympic team, yeah, one of yeah. the top 20 player in the league right now, mm-hmm. um, who is not getting younger and plays a very physical game, and his body is you know don't want to hold up for. Mm-hmm. You got to kind of like get players that are going to help make his job easier. I think, okay. and I don't think that the young guys are, are ready to do that yet. Right. Might be a bit of a loaded question considering you work for them. How much of an influence do you I'm think? Contracted by. <laughs> I don't get it. How much pressure do you them. think they put on Messiah and them to kind of go out and try and win now? Because I know a lot of times. I don't think you know what I'm, I'm being. I'm being. I might be being naive here, but I think Messiah's earned the right where he gets that trust. Just like what I said about how I believe in him. Yeah. I don't think ownership like questions his motives or, or his ability or his, or his planning. Um, and I think knowing his plan, his approach. That he looks long term, and I think he's got them looking long term. So I don't think there's pressure on him to do it. I don't think there's pressure on him to do anything. I mean, like okay. he's shown that he's built a competitive franchise that continues to grow and get better yeah. uh, with a solid core. So I don't think there's pressure on him to like win now or you know pull the trigger. Um, I think that they have he has that he's earned that trust where he's gonna do what's best for the franchise. Because one thing him and I feel with the Raptors is that they don't really know what success is yet to them. Like you could take the Memphis Grizzlies approach: success is making the playoffs every year and turning a profit. Whereas teams like the Lakers, um, not really the Knicks, but like Boston, Boston, the premier teams, for it, right? like success for them is a title. Right. Like that's it. What is it for the Raptors, bust. though? Well, you got to remember though, before this season, what was it? What was the success? What was the, what was Make it? the playoffs. Make get the out of the, the first round. Get out of the first round. Yeah. Exactly. So now we went from get out of the first round to conference finals. finals yeah. Yeah. So I think they have. To, so there's a. It's probably somewhere in between, right? I mean, I think like, you know, they got out of the first round, which was important for them to do. Um, and then make the conference finals. So, is the goal getting back to the conference finals? Is it getting out of the second round next year? Logic would dictate second round, right? I agree. But you know, I think once you make the conference finals, and you know, you got a couple of games on. Get that yeah, taste. Yeah. You know what I mean, so 
Um, two games away but, from the finals, but man. I think, I think, any, fan, I think, any fan will tell you two games away know, from the but finals. I think, I think you <laughs> know, it's, it's kind of like fans, what fans want and what guys like us want mm-hmm. and what ownership want are probably three different things. Yeah. Because fans are in the media mode. They want it now. They want it now, right? We can see a little more and they can see it more, right? I mean, they're mm-hmm. looking at like how many more dollars are we create up next season, next season? Who else is available? You know, mm-hmm. like Griffin, we mentioned he's a guy, yeah. right? You look pretty good in Raptors uniform right now. You can change how that team would look. So they're looking at every single situation like you're done with what we're looking at like right now and saying, I'm saying they should have got someone this summer. And it's like, you got next summer figured out. Don't worry about it. We got you. Yeah, I feel like that's why they stayed out of this summer personally is that 2017 is just better free agents. The other thing I look at, Terrence Ross getting that deal last year. Mm-hmm. Until, yeah, no, but like that, like what would Terrence Ross got this summer? Oh, I think we got yeah, paid. Yeah, like probably so maybe even twenty million. So what? Toronto would have to match or whatever. Like exactly. So it's like maybe he's it's looking like, like a really good right. That's looking like JV a really too? good contract. JV is a JV cool yeah, contract. Mozgov's getting more money than JV right now. <laughs> Mozgov, come on, <laughs> he lives in LA. Yeah, he lives, yeah, come on. And he's like not even like quarter. I mean, Mozgov had one good run, and he still has the Blake Griffin stuff on his head. Yeah. So I mean, like that good run was last year though. Like not even, not even last year, year before. Yeah, yeah. Playoff running, yeah. though. Yeah, exactly. So like he didn't really play this year when Toronto got there. But that's what it is, man. It's like teams. There's some teams who are desperate about cash. Let me throw them at them. Look at Mike Conley. Mike Conley, best player in the league. No. no. Mike Conley, top ten player in the league. No. Top fifteen. Maybe. I, I maybe. feel like we could maybe squeeze him in, but not maybe. Yeah, exactly. Maybe right. Yeah, so I mean, and I mean that's not to knock him. I mean, I'm glad he got his money. I've never mattered a player getting their money yeah. at all ever. Yeah. Um, but you know. It's I get it though for guys like Durant and like LeBron to not sign long term. Right, for the sure. money is too great for them to commit to of one course. spot, and they could easily move around if they wanted to. Like yeah. they've earned that right to have that flexibility. Yeah. I hope Durant becomes a mercenary personally. I hope he just goes around like starts helping franchises <laughs> chase titles. You may as well because as far as I'm concerned, his legacy is dead to me. It's dead. Really? Yeah, yeah man. I mean, like you don't go. They were one shot away from winning the championship. Mm-hmm. They don't need Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, like it could have gone either way. Game seven. Mm-hmm. And if they won. They wanted the champs to get a big deal. But they don't need Kevin Durant. So for me, it's like, I would rather go to a team that I can say that I helped the team get over, like the Clippers. Right. Right? Or the Raptors or anyone. I'm the reason why we got over. No one's going to really give Kevin Durant credit when they win the championship because they're going to say they're the best team in the world. They have four, you know, Durant, you know, all those guys, like, I don't know. That's why I think he's going to leave after he gets his rings. Yeah, but... And try to rebuild his image like LeBron. But it's like... But he could have still got a ring somewhere else. Even if he went to San Antonio. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, and I mean, you know, people could say the same thing, but it's like, Aldridge. you know, like, he could have gone anywhere and got a ring, even in one year or two years. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, LeBron did again his in Miami the first year. He got no. second year. So it's like, if he went somewhere in one year, like, okay, let's just indulge for a second. If he goes to Toronto, well, I don't know if they could beat him in the West, but they could, I think they could beat him. They could win the East. Yeah, they could win So... And they, I, I don't know. I mean, he could go a number of teams where they, he could have got a ring in one or two years. Not the team where now we're saying they have to set a new NBA record and wins and win it all. And even if they win it, they sweep the whole playoffs. They're going to say, "Oh well, of course they're the best team in the league." Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean, like, there's always going to be that asterisk beside a question mark. Like, I don't know. So if you become the mercenary, it doesn't matter because it's like, well, you went to <laughs> you went to Golden State. You may as well go to like everywhere else. Can Russell Westbrook do like the same thing? Can he go to anywhere else and make them a title contender or win one? I don't think he can win one. I think Russell is probably my favorite player in the NBA right now. Mm-hmm. But is it the play style, the fashion choice, or <laughs> more, so, more so the play style, the fashion choice? But I'm scared. I love that Russell's not scared to be Russell. Okay. But I just look at the games when Durant was out and how Russell would have incredible stat lines, but they wouldn't get wins. Mm-hmm. So. I'm not saying he can't play with others or he can't make teams better, but I don't know if, like, he goes to Boston that they're going to be. I mean, Boston will be better for sure, but yeah. are they going to be champs? I don't know. I don't think so. I think yeah. Golden State would still steamroll them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like, yeah, the immediate like, future. Only if he goes to Cleveland. Yeah. Then, yeah. He went to and Cleveland. And then what do you do with the Kyrie? Like, those guys yeah, see, Russell Westbrook would not let LeBron handle the ball down the stretch. <laughs> I got this. This is what he told him. You know, he probably would. It's LeBron. LeBron. Yeah, mm-hmm. you'd have like, to back down, right? Yeah, the respect is there where he can never say, you know, wave off LeBron, right? That'd be um, great TV, though, if he did. Yeah. <laughs> well, let Jerry Smith go and Westbrook and Kyrie's backcourt. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of options. It's but it's such a... <laughs> Westbrook seems to be like a player that 
you know, seems like yeah. he can fit every, everywhere until you actually well, see him. I would, and then, I would even but then you'd see him here. play on the court, and then you'd be like, "There's only a select few people he can play." You know with. what? He played on the world the world championship team, the world um, world cup team, and like he wasn't an issue, right? It was yeah. Like a so I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's he's a wild card of the season, I think. Really, like, what happens to him where he goes? Yeah. I think he's kind of like our AI, like the older, the younger generation. Sorry, like I feel like he's our Allen Iverson, where he can do a lot of things really, really well on the court. And he can make his himself better, but not always his teammates better. You can only put certain pieces with him, and it'll work. Because seeing a lot of times on the stretch, Durant kind of just hiding in a corner while Westbrook yeah, has takes the ball on his head. Like, you can't hide a guy like Kevin Durant. you got to make that work. So I feel like I only know. certain guys can play with Russell. And that's his great downfall. Yeah. Because he's amazing. Watching yeah. him play one-on-one or anything like that, he'll kill anybody. You think he's getting traded? Yeah. yeah what do you think he's going to want to go for nothing? Think they're going to go for nothing? Do you, oh, think, hey, get, do you think they're going to get the extension? No. Why no. would he stay? Why did he stay there? Because they they're not going to put guys around him. He's seen Harden, Durant, Ibaka, all those guys leave. Mm-hmm. He knows he's not going to put guys around him. All right. So where where do you think he's going to trade to? Though? Oh, man, that it depends know. a lot. It depends <laughs> on the offers. I mean, yeah. you know, um, the new CBA is going to screw up a lot of things. Yeah. There might not even be a season in 2017, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. Yeah, because they're really pissed off, the owners, about this whole Golden State thing. And it's their fault. Like, they agreed to, like, not escalate the salaries. It's always their fault. Keep the rookie <laughs> scale the same. I like, know. Yeah. They just got really ignorant, and now it's biting them in the ass. Well, they never can reunify anything. Yeah. They say one thing, and then they go just, like, do a dumb show. That's why. They don't even want to show up to the meetings, half these owners, because, you know, ah, send somebody else. I hope there's no lockout, though, man. I don't <laughs> Me too. Me too. I want to see the Warriors play. <laughs> oh, you'll see them this year. No, I know, year. but like I want to see them oh, play yeah. every year. <laughs> <laughs> every year I want to see them play. Is there anything else you feel we should uh, talk about before we let you go? I mean, man, you got you touched on everything that I do, so there's nothing for me to plug. Well, if you want me to touch on one more thing that you usually do, I can do that for you. Oh, my gosh. Okay. At the end of every Soul Shift The interview? basketball and hardware. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> you go, is it the shoes? So instead of me asking you, is it the shoes, because... Neither of us like really playing. Uh huh. What's your favorite shoe? Oh, favorite shoe, favorite shoe, favorite shoe is like the shoe. Air Jordan Three True Blue Summer. These are my favorite shoes. Like mm-hmm. I love them. I don't play basketball in Jordans unless they're like new Jordans. Cause, like, <laughs> I never play because Jordans are great shoes for bas- play basketball. Play basketball. Right? Yeah. Um, favorite shoe to play in. Um, I'm kind of a Nike guy. It's okay. They make Kobe, great Kobe. shoes. Or the, or the you know, Kobe's are, Kobe's are, Kobe's are good. The low-top Kobe's? I mean, they've had a lot of good the Hyperdunks, I'm trying to think of what year. Hyperdunks generally almost always is like a good shoe every year. It's like the basketball shoe. Mm-hmm. I must say Hyperdunks a lot. Um, Adidas is saying something right now, though. Really? Yeah. What about Under Armour? Do you like the Under Armours? Steph Curry the te- 2s. <laughs> so, so the Steph Curry 2s, they haven't got the aesthetics down, but they're making a, a good performance. The Curry 2 is a good basketball performer. Like, yeah? Bro, it's good shoe. Honestly, it's a good shoe. It's a good shoe for real. Aesthetics get a little tighter, mm-hmm. um, but Adidas is like I mean, and now they just signed Jamal Murray. They sell all those guys. Yeah. They got Wiggins, but um, the crazy white boost is a shoe. Like, like before, like as I grew up, it was Nike. Nothing else was saying anything else. Now the brands are stepping up. They're really stepping up, and it's becoming more competitive. So, Are you a low top or a high top guy? Um. It's, I'm a little of everything. Um, I'm more of like a high top or a mid. I'll wear lows. So I have no problem wearing lows too. Um, but it depends on your game. It depends on what works for you and stuff too, right? So it's all about like, honestly, I can say a million things, but it's really about what feels right for you. Yeah. So. You're kind of like the soul man right now. This, year. Oh, <laughs> this guy's like knighting me now. like a soul man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's like, soulship isn't just me. It's a team of other guys. Yeah, of course. Like, that that are, are really good. I mean, like, I've always been about like basketball and sneakers and culture and stuff. So. Um, I've just been fortunate to make it my livelihood, man. So, it's awesome. Yeah. Want to plug a few things before we go? Like what? Okay, social, like social media. Your social shift. You, like you find me on Instagram at Dwayne so Watson. Modest, man. You got so <laughs> many things going on. Just like what I know, do you, what but do you honestly, though, no, it's like yeah, I guess that's me, though. I mean, it's, like, it's not it's awesome, not too. I mean, like I love what I do. I love basketball. Um, I probably work a little too hard, but my socks are right now. Sleeping, you're dead. Exactly, you're right. Exactly, you, man. Exactly. So, um, yeah, but I mean, like, you know, there's been so much growth in this city, in this marketplace, in this country with basketball, um, in terms of the talent, you know, when we talk to the schools, media, all that stuff, too. So, um, you know, this summer, there's traveling, there's OVO bounce, there's like, there wasn't a time where you could, like, go see 
you know, like Norm Powell plants over time and yeah, it no shows like a thousand people, which is fantastic. So that stuff's continuing to grow. So I'm just hoping to help kind of, you know, keep that going. Yeah, you're doing a little more than just that. <laughs> I'm trying, man. All right, Dwayne. Thanks, man, Yo, for talking with us. I really appreciate me, it. Hope to do this again. For sure. Definitely. Let me know. And that was our interview with Dwayne Watson. I hope you guys enjoyed it. There was a lot of compelling stuff in there that we talked about. Um, the Toronto hoop scene, there's a lot of things about Crown League that I personally didn't know that I'm glad that I know now. We even got his thoughts on the Toronto Raptors, which is something that Dwayne is always willing to talk about. Actually, quite frankly, anything hoops related, like he says all the time, he is more than willing to talk about it. So we're hoping to have him back on again at some point to discuss everything basketball. Uh, a lot of great perspectives about Toronto basketball as well, like I said earlier. I hope some people find the favorite courts part useful. Um, I'll have an article about that coming up later on next week. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun to talk with Dwayne. I know DeMar enjoyed it as well. To plug a few things for him, if you want to find Dwayne on social media, he says there's only one thing he uses, and he's on it all the time. It's Instagram. You can find him at Dwayne Watson, all one word on Instagram. Give him a follow. You can keep up with all his stuff. It's mostly hoops related, but it's all awesome content. And be sure to grab his quarterly magazine called Soul Shift. Uh, Dwayne, the Soul Man Watson, I'm hoping that nickname sticks for you, pal. But he is one of the biggest hoops heads and sneaker heads out there, so he combines basketball, sneakers, and culture all into one for a quarterly magazine, and there's lots of great stuff in there. As for us, that'll wrap up this edition of the TOT Cast. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview again. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Twitter, at Crystal Kranitz. If you want to reach out to Damar on Twitter, you can find him at Damar J. Grant. You can also follow the show on Twitter, at Tip of the Tower. You can also like our Facebook page, at Tip of the Tower as well. And if you like what you're hearing right now, please subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can find us by searching Tip of the Tower or the TOT Cast. Either one will pop up and lead you right back to here. Again, I would like to thank everybody for listening to today's show. I hope you enjoyed our interview with Dwayne Watson. I know it's a lot of fun to do. We'll see you next week. Take care, guys.